Friends, real treat for you today on the podcast, releasing a coaching session. It's something I do from time to time. I'd love to do more of it, but it's a big deal for someone to be willing to share what's going on and let people listen in. So today I've got Sammy Yeager, who's with me, willing to release this conversation. So Sammy, thanks so much and really appreciate your vulnerability. And I'm sure this will be a really amazing conversation for you, but thank you. I'm sure this is not just conversation session, coaching session. Mm. I think um, there's so much value to be shared in hearing from other people's stories. So I think that's why I've been brave and uh, we'll see what comes out. Mm, yeah. Okay. Fabulous. Uh, right. Uh, let's dive straight into, no, let's not dive straight into what you want to talk about. <laughs> let me, let me set up the space properly because although, you know, you've, you and I've known each other for years in various different forms and you've heard me coach before, uh, it's very important to, make sure the frame is very clean. And so in this conversation that you are the expert, um, that I don't want anything from you or need anything from you, even though my intention is to use this to be a really great indicator of the possibility of change for other people, that my agenda is just to serve you and to be uh, to create a safe and clean space for you to uh, examine what's going on. You, you can't do judgment and awareness at the same time. So any perceived judgment from me even the subtle form of wanting makes it unsafe to, to completely talk about what's going on so uh, this is just about you this is just about me serving you to get more of what you want and uh yeah so in light of that now uh what do you want to talk about what's going on for you that you would like to address and see some change in yeah um so i have a, a health issue that i've been dealing with since about end of 2017 and I've come at it from lots of different directions so I have issues with my sinuses and airways and I've seen multiple um, ear nose throat specialists um, allergy specialists blood specialists um, all of the modern medicine stuff I've seen a naturopath I've had blood work done all of the things and I haven't been able to resolve it Um, so my intuition tells me that there's something else that is probably not um, that is sitting there that needs to be resolved. There's some other kind of blockage, mm. something, something's going on. So I want, I would love to unpack that and get rid of it because I, you know, your airways, your breathing, it affects how I exercise. It affects how I train. It affects how I sleep. It affects, my relationship with my husband like it gets in my way and I am pretty over it hmm. uh, all right that's a, a great place to start and a subject that I think is certainly worth being curious around I don't pay a lot of confidence in the, the western medicine approach to these kind of things but just because it doesn't treat the person as a, a whole being um, yeah. so are you willing to examine what's actually going on around this because I don't know if you've heard me say this before ever, but uh, there's only one thing possible that can get in the way of listening happening between two people or between parts of yourself. Only one thing in the whole universe that has the power to stop listening happening. Any idea what that that thing could be? My conscious mind. Uh, well, sure. <laughs> but what part of your, like what, what in your conscious mind could stop that listening happening 
maybe just being closed off to truly hearing what what other options or other alternative stories or ideas could be yeah for sure can i can i summarize what you just said in one word as willingness yeah so if two people from different walks of life, different nationalities, different languages bumped into into each other in the street and had to solve a problem together, even though they don't share a language or experiences, if they want to communicate, they can. Yeah. Like they will yeah. find a way. It'll be difficult, uh, clunky, but if they want to, they can. So I love thinking about that in terms of rapport itself and listening and your intuition says there's something more to this. Okay, let's let's lean into that. Assume there is. Assume this is in some way there is a message, there is a communication as a part of you seeking to grab your attention. Uh, then, okay, if you would like to understand what that is about, then you can. Now, that might sound frustrating on some level because you're like, well, I think I have been ready to hear and understand and I have been curious for a long time, but I haven't understood what this is about. So I am ready. Um, but what if? What if that we we start there and say, well, no, that can't be true. Because if you were ready to understand what this is about, already you would have. So some part of you would prefer not to know what this is about. Some part yeah. of you is afraid what this is about. Some part of you imagines there is going to be a cost involved in understanding what this is really about. And that cost might be more than you want to pay right now. Uh, mm-hmm. Is that too is that too uh far-fetched to consider that's that could be true no I I yep I resonate with that um and I think that's that's use, a useful place to start because then it just means great well uh the example the example oh, it means you can understand you can get to the bottom of this if you're ready um, an example that I use around this idea which you may have heard me use or, or not is if I was to have a couple in front of me that I was doing some work in their marriage and they were in a really tough place. Maybe they were on their last, you know, their, their marriage was really at rocks, rock bottom and they were on, on the rocks. And I said, look, just one exercise for this week. All you have to do is listen to each other. Um, you have to make time and space. There's a, obviously a whole bunch of conversations that have not been had, a whole bunch of unresolved stuff between you two. It's escalated to the point where you can't even look each other in the, in the eye anymore. So you don't have to resolve anything. You just have to listen. Would you be willing to listen to each other this week? And they're both like, yeah, I, I could do that. Um, great. They go away. They come back next week and they walk into my office and you could see that there's there's more pain and more angst than the week before. It's, it's more even more icy. And so clearly they haven't found a way to do that. And I just asked the question, how did this listening exercise go? And the husband starts. He says, oh, you know, bloody hell, it, it was impossible. I made time and space, more time and more space than I have made in perhaps 10 years. I did not go out after you know, after work with the boys, I didn't watch a whole bunch of sport. I made time to listen. I told my wife maybe a hundred times this week, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm listening. What do you want to say? What are all the things? What are all these things that you've never told me? Tell me I'm ready. And she didn't tell me shit. So what are you, what am I supposed to do? Um, and then if I turned to the wife and, and just said one question, was he actually ready to listen? Uh, what do you think she'd say? No. No, she's not stupid. All she wants to do is be understood, but she's mm. not stupid. She's not going to share what's true and honest and real to her if she has any sense it's going to be judged, dismissed, devalued, misunderstood. No no chance in the world, but she wants to be understood. So 
if you consider the best part of you, the, the, the deepest part of you, the truest part of you, the part of you that controls the parts that you don't control with your conscious mind, uh, if you consider that that part would love to be understood, would love to have a conversation with you about what this is about and would love health for you as much as every other part of you just wants to be understood, then it kind of holds this line that says, all right, you haven't been ready. You've been pretending to be ready. And and I like it's easy for me to say that. It's um, but I do have experience of that in my own life. The self righteousness of being frustrated with myself for not talking. You know, a band of tension across my chest for for nearly three or four months in a period in 2015 where I was banging on about how ready I am to listen, and clearly I wasn't. Clearly I didn't want to know. Mm. Clearly I was afraid. And it wasn't until I pulled over on the side of the road while driving to Canberra one day and said, okay, I can't keep doing this. <laughs> this is not this is not working. Uh, I will not get back on this road until I've resolved this. And if it takes me a week, I'm not getting back on the road. I'm not. I'm, I'm ready now. And, and then I apologised for my self-righteousness. And by the way, I am really sorry for banging on about how ready I am to listen because clearly if I was ready, I would have already heard. So... Here's the deal. I am ready. And whatever you're about to say to me, I will take seriously. I will deal with appropriately, whatever it is. Hmm. And and in that exact moment, I hear myself say, oh, thank you. Uh, all right, here it is. Are you ready? You've been pretending for over six months not to know that you are done with your business partnership. It's not your future. And you know that your team and your partner are not going to think that's a great idea. They're going to misunderstand your intentions and think you're a terrible person. So, but it's true. So, and and so like, yeah, yeah, you're right. And before getting back on the road, made six phone calls to all the appropriate parties and they all went, all conversations went as badly as I thought. But, but then instantly the tension's Freedom. gone. Freedom, exactly. So, my unconscious is not a prick. It's not trying to ruin my life. There's a loving intention because that, like just come back from Germany for three weeks, reliving the most extraordinary nine-month season of our family life where we moved there, that was the week where that opened up for me. So I didn't know that was waiting there. I'm still hanging on to the last season thinking I can't afford to tell the truth around the fact that I don't believe it anymore. But as soon as I do, that very week, this Germany plan opened up and I wouldn't, I would have missed that entirely had I not. And so I've never once regretted listening to myself ever. And I never will, even when it's hard, even when it's costly, even when I get misunderstood, it's always worth it every single day of the week. So if we can start there with you to consider you, you have the inkling that this is more than uh, a purely physiological symptom that could be treated uh, with medicine. You've, you've tried that path, you've tried every single avenue on that path, and yet it still persists. So then it falls into the category of weird health stuff where doctors go, ah, we don't really know, actually. We're not sure about this. It's a it's a strange thing. We could try this and try this, but we don't know. So great. If doctors don't know, then the only person who might know is you. So yeah. let's start there. Let's say you do know what this is about. And, and that this is about something really important and that it's an act of love for me or unconscious not to give you the answer before you're ready for it. So we're okay to hold that space as a way of diving into this. Yeah. 
So how have you thought about resolving this in the past in terms of if it was to be some kind of signal or some kind of there, there'd be some kind of message about why this sinus airways issue is is unresolved how have you thought about leaning into the intuition previously um i think maybe the intuition I feel like I mean my my initial instinct was when the when the problem arose was that I rode through it for like maybe six seven eight weeks um and thought that I it you know it was passing issue um and then my intuition was to go and see a specialist go straight to someone who know bypass the GP, mm-hmm. get into someone who knows ears, nose, throat, sinus. Um and then I think because it's been so many years now of approaching medical thing and I feel like I I've I've gone through spit uh, sprints and rest of trying to seek a solution externally. And I've done a lot of like work around you know I I do believe that my body has the ability to heal itself and I've seen that happen with lots of other areas of of my life and my Mm -hmm. well-being and I think I've like got frustrated that I feel like I've approached this with the same thing like if I give my body all of the right things time space good quality sleep sunlight grounding that it should heal and I think there's like almost a bit of frustration that all of those intuitive things that I know are good for me still haven't res- haven't created a healing solution. Yeah, I understand. Uh, when I was explaining this idea to a, a client recently, they said, oh, yeah, this is like Louise Hay's book, uh, You Can Heal Your Own Life. I don't know if you've come across her philosophy. No, um, and it's a book maybe 30 years old, um, 30 million copies sold. Um, her approach to this is is a very prescriptive cause and effect mind-body connection. So she lists um, almost 100 symptoms, physical symptoms, and draws a direct correlation to what that physical symptom must be mm-hmm. about. So if you've got gallstones, if you've got liver problems, if you've got a yeah. sore throat, if you've got pneumonia, this is what it must mean. And so... Um, is this like an encyclopedia? I feel like maybe I've seen it before. Well, you might. You it's can not, look up, look up, you like can look you've it got up. Hiccups. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> what does that mean? Sure. You, I mean, and and so it's. I I like the initial concept that you know mind and body are one system. Yeah. Uh, and you can heal yourself a hundred percent, but I just think about marriage as the metaphor, and I, I imagine this is a metaphor you would like because of how sincerely and wholeheartedly you invest in marriage for yourself and mm. for those in your world so the quality of your interaction with nathan the the depth of understanding each other the ability to listen so if you were to if you were to consider marriage as the metaphor for your relationship with yourself then if you don't know what's going on why don't you ask mm. so to to jump straight to if you were if nathan was upset with you and you go ah. Oh, I know what this is. I just need to give Nathan more time. I need to give him more love. I need to give him more attention. 
I need to cook better food. I need to wear better clothes. Like if you were just to run through all the list of things yeah. in your mind that Nathan must need in order to be happy, and all along you never ask him. All along yeah. you just, Nathan's gone, um, hello, like I am just here. I am a person. I do have a voice. I do have a heart. If you listen, if you just listen, I can tell you exactly what's going on for me to feel close to you and how I do feel misunderstood by you. You can listen. So it's difficult to do that with yourself because you can't have a you know a, an audible two people conversation. So it's a, a, a more difficult way to to approach a conversation. But nevertheless, you can if you want to, and and to understand your own language is a beautiful thing to do. But it's entirely testable. It's you know just like with Nathan, if you understand him, you can tell the difference between whether the space between you and him is clean or not. Mm, yeah. Like, <laughs> You know you're okay and you know when you're not. So the yeah. same with yourself. You can tell when there's rapport and when it's broken. And especially when you've got a physical signal like, uh, you know, the airway thing, the sinus thing, you can tell whether that's there or whether it's not. So you will know whether or not you've understood the best of you um, as to whether this this symptom persists. So, so what I don't like about Louise's suggestion is it's far too lightweight and um, you know, I had a client who had had long running um, fluid on the lungs, so you know, really chesty cough that that just was persisting. And so, when we we're introducing this idea, he's like, "Oh, I get it. I must have something on my chest. I need to get up. I need to say something. This is about finding my voice." I'm like, "Where is it? <laughs> like, what? Maybe." Or maybe it's just annoying. Maybe that's the whole intention of this cough. It's just your unconscious pulling on his sleeve saying, could we have a conversation? And because, you know, you don't enjoy this experience of having fluid on your lungs and it's annoying to you, that agitation is driving you to the conversation table. That's all it's about. It's got nothing to do with your voice, nothing to do with speaking up, not it at all. It's just me getting your attention. So... Um, for me, when I break rapport with myself and there's something going on, my, mm. my unconscious grabs my piriformis muscle and my sciatic, my sciatic nerve is on. I heard you so, talk about that with your marathon running. Yeah, so it's got nothing to do with running ever. Yeah. Um, but it's just the, the go-to tell my unconscious uses to get my attention. Mm -hmm. Just like Catherine has a bunch of go-to tells to get my attention when we're not okay. And... We resolve that by having a conversation that is is a real conversation and a costly conversation and a confronting conversation and often involves conflict. Um, but the intention of having a clean space with her always means it's worth it to resolve that because mm. to wake up, you know, after 25 years of marriage, to wake up, look her in her and look her in the eyes and go, my goodness, there is nothing between us other than love and intimacy and rapport. I'm not sure there's anything more glorious. And so the same within myself to know I have this clean space, to know I'm okay with me. Like that is the safety that provides me to go play in the world is, is exceptional. So I can't live without rapport with myself. So even when there are very difficult things that I have to work through, it's always worth it. And I know that I can find the exact thing I have to work through as long as I'm willing to listen. So are you willing to continue down this line of assuming your body craves health assuming that all parts of you want to be as healthy as every other part, assuming that this is there is some reason. So if the body craves health, then there is some intention to the disease. There is some intention yeah. to unhealth. It's serving a purpose. 
and if that purpose is to get your attention, then that intention must be able to be resolved if you understand the attention, the, the reason yeah. that your unconscious wants to get your attention, understand the message, deal with what needs to be dealt with, then you could be free from this symptom. Are you okay still to go down that path? Yeah. Um, okay, so then this idea of asking, when I when I suggest that to you, what comes up from your mind, or what um, a better, a more a more refined question, what resistance comes up in your mind to this idea of just listening to yourself or asking the question, what is this about, what for? It's funny because I can really easily visualize myself creating a space to do that. I like I immediately jump to like, okay, go and lie on your beach towel by the ocean in the sun and just ask the question Mm. i can i like why have i not done that Mm. yeah well i don't i don't know and it's (laughs) and you could imagine the frustration if if you for nathan marriage is a metaphor if if you'd been assuming you knew what was wrong with nathan and had been trying everything under the sun and nathan still and then one day you just thought why haven't i asked him and nathan's like yeah, hello. Like, why haven't you asked me? Oh my god, yeah. So I don't, I don't. Yeah, maybe there's no resistance to doing that process. Brilliant. If other I can, if I can, like, that. yeah. Otherwise, yeah. Just literally, why have I never thought to ask my intuition yeah. what is this is really about? What is this really about? Hmm. Um. Wonderful. Then, like, that might be all you need. That might be. Uh, in fact, it's highly likely that's all you need is just the time and space to go and ask. Uh, so to try, I don't want to uh, cloud your, you know, that just that simple thought with a framework around narrowing the field of play. So just try this on. And mm-hmm. if it feels like it's it's uh, getting in the way of what you've already just got, just please stop me. Um, but, you know, you, you saw my post yesterday around the, the self-permission mm-hmm. book that I'm writing. and. Um, can't wait to read it, James. Well, thank you. I, I think you know I've thought this about every one of my books. I think it's my best one. But the best one. You just um, keep getting better. Well, you'd hope that, wouldn't you? You'd hope that yeah. over a process of time, you'd get better at what you you'd given your heart to do. But um, but this book is is very relevant to what we're talking about right now because it's this idea that in order to have permission from yourself, like to upgrade your relationship to a permission-based relationship rather than a discipline-based relationship. It does require these kind of conversations because you don't need a conversation when you're operating with discipline. Discipline is a one-sided conversation. Mm. So I don't know if you've uh, heard Jocko Willink, uh, extreme ownership guy, talk about his self-talk. I've seen a couple of video clips of him, like intense, so intense. So intense. Yeah. The most intense one I was seeing was when Russell Brand interviewed him and said, what do you do with self-talk? He's, oh, it's easy. I don't have self-talk. I just don't listen. I'm not having a conversation with myself. There's no negotiation going on. I am not negotiating with weakness. Mm. I just do the thing I must do, whether I want to do it or not. So, you know, and if marriage is the metaphor, could you could you imagine a marriage like that where one person has all the power, all the conversation, makes all the decisions, and the other person must do what that person says. Like that's abuse. That's that's an Sounds abuse. Sounds fucking awful. It is. That guy's a monster. And yeah. what I, I I'm writing about him in in my book, and I talk about every gangster movie you've ever seen is is what is what's about to happen when Jocko Willink at some time because 
the gangster movie is the to- the toughest guy has risen mm. to the top and the toughest guy makes all the decisions, controls all the finance and everyone pays money up to him. But every young pup there is waiting for their time. You know, it's only a matter of time before mm. there's bloodshed and the next dog rises up and takes over. So you live by the sword, you die by the sword. So what, what I find most extraordinary about the relationship with the unconscious, especially in the midlife season, is your unconscious has leverage to ruin your life. So at some point, your unconscious goes, you're an idiot, and, and I don't like the way I'm being treated. And guess what? I will not be treated like this ever again, and I will get in your way. I will stop you, and I'll start escalating this. So it starts with this physical symptom, then it goes to this one, mm. and eventually you end up with PTSD. You end up with trauma. You so violate the relationship with yourself, you cannot function as a human being anymore because there is no participation. You do not have permission from yourself to be who you are being in the world. So that's inevitable for, at the midlife season. You, you do, it's not inevitable in the, in the you know, up to 35 or up to 40 maybe 30, if you can stretch it. approaching 35, Jamin. Yeah, so sure. That's maybe fascinating. Early. Well, sure, and, <laughs> and you're you're an early adopter, I would say, in many in many senses. So, um, but it's just you can get away with not listening because you've got energy to waste, and yeah, and it kind of works, and it, it all happens. But when you get to the midlife season, you don't have energy to waste anymore. And midlife is about optimizing. So now's the time for this conversation. Now's the time to set up a beautiful next season where every bit of energy is directed appropriately and you're not using your best energy against yourself in, in order to really succeed in the world in the, in the second half of life. It, it does require permission. And so in order for permission to be granted, and this is a big distinction, permission is granted, not given. So I have people talk about, permission i hear people talk about permission yeah you just give yourself permission to not care what others think and you give yourself permission to be happy and you give yourself permission um to not need others to validate you it's like it still feels like you're managing yourself it still feels like self-discipline energy Mm. you're doing yourself you're making yourself do the thing that doesn't come naturally yeah that's not permission (laughs) what permission is your unconscious is going hey listen i am your i'm your adversary now i'm blocking you i'm in the way i'm stopping you i'm pulling fuses out I'm sabotaging your health. I'm robbing you of energy. I'm in the way deliberately, not because I hate you, because I love you and I want to have a conversation. (laughs) Sorry? And I need you to listen. And I need you to listen. So let's talk about some stuff that's not safe because that's it is a conversation about safety. It is unsafe to be you in the world based on how you're running your life right now in some way, shape or form. And you're short-sighted. Yeah, you you asked that question about like what's the resistance and I didn't feel any to it it and then as you were talking I was like the thought was could it really be that easy Mm. so that was the resistance was like wanting the solution to be harder than just asking myself the question Mm. like almost disbelief that could it really be as easy as just laying in the sun and asking yourself that question um well I think the the question could certainly be, be that easy I would be surprised if the answer is easy though I'd be surprised if the answer didn't cost you something yeah. So so the framework that I think is most useful to consider the answer is to, in, in my experience, uh, in working in permission with myself and then all the people I've ever coached around this, is that there are only ever four answers to the question. And 
they're four generalizations. So I can I've, guess two of them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm and, sure you Yeah, you know, about being loved enough or worthy enough. Um, so they will be uh, under the heading of trust. So let, let me just let me show you these four and see if it if it helps you give you some context to look because I, I think it's very useful to have a framework to have this conversation because in an open frame, the answer could be anywhere and anything. And if you've never had that conversation with yourself before, it's very easy to get lost in the abstraction of I don't really know and how will I know if I've found it? Mm. When if you can can understand that it's it's actually going to be one of four things, it just narrows the field of search mm-hmm. and, and you can devote yourself to thinking about each of these four one by one and really run some tests to see which one it is. So, so try it on and see if it simplifies the search process. And so... So consider each of these four as safety breaches. Consider that the intention of the unconscious to remove permission is to say there's something unsafe about your setup. So if I was to give you full energy and full health and full motivation, you're going to crash the ship. Like there's some Mm -hmm. impending danger with your current setup. So you don't need more energy to run that. You need less energy uh, to have a conversation about safety before energy can be put back into the system. Does that make sense? Yeah, that this is a. I'm slowing you down because Great. you're not equipped to deal Brilliant. if we move at speed. Yes. Brilliant. Okay. Exactly. So yeah. then there are four, there are four, only have a four safety issues. So the first safety issue is around trust. So um, I'll give it to you as the worst case scenario and then you can work back from there. So, so the, the first condition that would have to be satisfied is trust. And the, and the complaint is, hey, Sammy, you don't trust me that you don't trust me, you manage me. Mm-hmm. So there's a there's some breakdown of trust or some diminishment of trust as evidenced by any, any self-discipline, any sense of I must make myself do the thing that I wouldn't do. If I rest, I lose. If I rest, um, I'll get further away from my goal rather than closer to it. So some um, part of you is like, yeah, there's there's some unresolved parts of me that I'm not sure about, that I'm I've compartmentalized or um yeah, put to one side so that they don't ruin my goals. Mm-hmm. And and your unconscious is like, ah, it's really hard because I think you've misunderstood and I think you've been too quick to judge and accuse. So, but the bottom line is there's there's been a breakdown of trust. Uh, and any idea why. Probably not. You don't need to guess very hard. But why do you think trust, a lack of trust, would be dangerous? You know, if you can't, if you can't trust yourself, you can't make decisions. And if you can't mm. make decisions, you can't solve anything new ever in your life. You can't make changes. You can't. You're stuck in a a responsive or a reactive state not proactive if you if you don't trust have trust with self yeah exactly and then you have to trust somebody else so then you're outsourcing decision making wisdom guidance yeah. you become oh i can't trust me so now i've got to trust the government or i've got to trust my partner yeah. or i've got to trust my work or my friends and and you get eaten alive by the world because you find you get let down people don't People don't really care about you. They don't have your best interests at heart. They have their best interests at heart. So 
you don't have trust within, uh, yeah, it's a very precarious place you find mm-hmm. yourself in as a human. So, um, so lack of trust would be safety breach number one. Do you feel like there's evidence of that for you? That's that's going to be one area to examine. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think I did a lot of that um, sort of introspection around intuition um, and trust of self that are like about no, like truly knowing the answer through the global pandemic. Like mm. there were, I did a lot of that uh, of trusting trusting self and acknowledging that I do know. I do know what is a good choice and I do know what's mm. right for me regardless of what the world might be wanting mm. me to do. Mm. Brilliant. Uh, number two is is neediness. So, again, it's a, a safety breach because if you are externally referenced in any of your core needs, then you've got to play the game according to what others, uh, you know, their agenda. So if you need approval, affirmation, acceptance, love, certainty, variety from the world, then, okay, you've got to give them what they need to get what you need. Mm-hmm. It just means you're very precariously placed. And it's, you know, it's inevitable that the child develops external reference points for their needs being met because they're a child. You can't meet your needs internally. You don't have the capacity to do that. So the child is very much in a transactional model from somewhere around two or three years of age. It's like, okay, I want my dad's approval. I want my mum's love. I want my friend's connection. What have I got to do? How does this game work? I got to like soccer. Yeah. I got to listen to certain music. I got to wear certain clothes. I got to refrain from certain things. Cool, I'll do that because I need what you've got. So, mm-hmm. and then you just it, it, the game evolves, and it's still externally referenced, and and there's no judgment on that because that's all the child can do. But the adult to be an adult is to be self sufficient. So it's very dangerous to be an adult in the world while while you have your source for your needs being outside of you. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so then, you know, being the chief validator, being your own certainty. So so trust and neediness really go hand in hand and and they are the insecurity piece. They are the worthiness and love piece. Who are you really? Can you be trusted? And what does it mean to be you? And so it is a, a journey back into the deepest parts of you and the things you felt were wrong with you or inadequate about you and that, that aren't actually good. So there's some work to do there, but at least when you understand the work and you understand the reason for the work, then cool, you just get on and do the work. Mm-hmm. So is that okay? Trust and, and need being the first two? Yeah. Uh, and they do go in order because those two are the most important to the foundation for the next two. Uh, so condition number three is gameplay. Have you heard me talk about gamification at all? Mm, nothing's coming to mind. Is that, is gamification a metaphor you use at all? Is that something you've considered? I am addicted to my Apple Watch, so yeah. <laughs> Great. Well, <laughs> it's a. I I think it's my favourite metaphor in the last couple of years to gamify, and what opens up when you when you consider what if this is a game, and what mm. what does that open? If I treat this as the, if it is mm-hmm. a game, what does that show me? So, if you were to Understand the fact that you are involved in a whole series of games. 
And there's a bunch of games you've been playing for a long time with awareness and intention. And there's a bunch of games you haven't been playing with awareness and intention Mm -hmm. that you've just been caught up in. And so the point of why it's a safety breach is your unconscious is like, if we were to do an audit of all the games you're playing, Sammy, there are some, there are some really shit games, actually. There are some games that are other people's games, games that are not suited to you, games that you don't, you don't win in. And, and you can't afford not to have wins anymore. Uh, winning is better than losing. Winning is losing is a great draw on your energy source. So if you're playing shit games or you're playing the right games the wrong way, which is an um well, well, let me um explain this in four ways. So there are four four types of games. You can be playing the wrong games in the wrong way. So uh, an example of that is uh, I got a friend who didn't know what they wanted to do when they left school. Their dad was an accountant. And so the dad said, well, you should be an accountant too. And I'm like, I got no better option. So I went to uni, um, got a job in the accounting firm, um, but knew they hated numbers, knew they would hate being in an office, but nevertheless, 20 years later, mm-hmm. they're an accountant. But they're like, so they hate being an accountant and they're a shit accountant. Yeah. So it's the wrong game and they're playing it the wrong way. So could you imagine the cost on, on the, on his soul every day to rock up to, to a job? So if you, if you think about it as a game and even it changes it even more than just, it's just a job. No, you're playing a game and it's a game you don't like. It's a game you never wanted to play and you've never learned the rules of that game. So how in the world are you supposed to have a good experience if that's what you're doing? Yeah. It's a great um, second category. Oh, sorry. That's a great analogy. That's a great framework to look at all sorts of things. Yeah. So then the second version is, okay, what if you then play the wrong games the right way? So consider a similar scenario. A guy doesn't want to be an accountant. Dad says be an accountant. So he goes and gets his degree, becomes an accountant, but actually learns the rules of the accounting game and becomes an excellent accountant. Mm Mm-hmm. That becomes a more problematic game, by the way, because you're getting lots of rewards from the game. Clients are telling you you're awesome. They're always appreciating you. You're making progress up the corporate ladder. You're getting paid well. But Mm -hmm. it's still death to your soul because you hate the game, Mm -hmm. even though you're really good at it. Yeah. So wrong game, but right way. Uh, Third version is the right game. Isn't it interesting how quickly other people can come to mind for those things? (laughs) Sure. (laughs) It is, yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's what that person's doing. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I could do that for myself. <laughs> no, you're right. Doing. So much easier to see this for others than it is for yourself. So then the third version is the right game the wrong way. So say, you know, another version of this. So that guy went, you know what? Um, when I was at school, there were a bunch of teachers that changed my life. No, not a bunch, actually. There were two or three that exceptional teachers. And every time I was in their room, there was some part of me that dreamed of one day making an impact on young people's life like these two teachers. And so I actually do know what I wanted. I've just never been willing to tell the truth. I, I do want to be a high school teacher. I do want to shape the future of young minds. Mm-hmm. And so, so then they quit the accounting job, go back to uni, get the teacher's degree. But then they rock up. They get given a job in a school and they rock up to start teaching. But they've... They've never considered that there are rules for the game and they walk in there and they try and get all the kids to like them and the kids eat them, like the kids destroy this teacher and the teacher goes home almost crying every day. The other teachers are talking about him in the staff room like it's a disaster. So, yes, it's the right game, 
but no idea about how the game's supposed to be played. So that's a really dangerous yeah. version too because <clears throat> you've listened to your heart, but you're in great peril of giving up on your dream and going back to the wrong game because the right game doesn't work. Mm. And then the right game the right way. So, yeah, you were supposed to be a teacher. Well done. Congratulations. That is true for you. Now learn the bloody rules. Work out how to control teenagers. It's a game. There are rules. There are some teachers that know how to handle a room and some teachers who don't. Go work out how to be one of those teachers. Be wholehearted and learn the rules. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, I love it. So to do an audit of your life and just notice where, like if if everything was a game, where are the right games in the wrong way and where are the wrong games in the wrong way or even the right way? And Mm. what adjustments would have to be made? What games would you have to exit? Or what games would have to be refined so they are the right game and you do know the rules. Mm. Um, using the analogy of marriage or coming back to that, like I feel like it's really easy to see that whether when you interact with people who are in relationships, that where it is clearly they're the it's the right game, but they're not playing it well. I I agree, and that was why I wrote the leverage book because it's like yeah. marriage is a game. There are rules. Like you yeah. got to play by the rules, and and if you if you just start with rules, people are like, why would you want rules in a marriage? That's ridiculous. It's intimacy. But yeah. if you go, no, no, marriage is a game. It's a game, and well, then what are the rules? How are you supposed to win this thing? Well, yeah. there's some very very defined rules around a successful relationship and how to play that properly. So if you don't know the rules, you're going to get hurt, and you're gonna it's going to go badly. Same as like when I absolutely true for business too. Absolutely. And that was a big revelation for me because I didn't want to do business development. I wanted to be an excellent coach. And because I'm an excellent coach, it should just work. (laughs) It was like, Damon, you're in a game of a you know, a small business owner in a consulting space and you don't know the rules and you didn't even know it was a game. Like that is a desire. That's dangerous. And you're about to run out of money entirely. Can you learn the bloody rules? Can you learn the rules of marketing? Can you learn the rules <laughs> of, uh, you know, charging money? Can you learn the rules of yeah. selling? Like if you don't learn the rules, you can't play the game. Uh, but but just to notice the versions of the game too, like you and Nathan play a very specific game of marriage. So some yeah. people are married, but they're playing the stay together for the kids game yeah. or the, you know, the don't get divorced game. Or the single the, looks awful game. Or the single look, exactly right. So it's to go, hang on, no, like Catherine and I play in the clean space game. So that's a very Mm -hmm. different kind of marriage than just, oh, well, a convenient relationship because we've got property together or kids together. So just noticing in each of the areas, you know, um, I had to get clear about this when I was podcasting because it's a game and there are, a bunch of different versions of the podcasting game. And if if I'm not clear about my game, then I got caught up in the Joe Rogan game or the Tim Ferriss game mm. or the, you know, some other game. It's like, that's not my game. My game call is... Call Her Daddy game. What's that? <laughs> the Call Her Daddy. You don't know that show? No, I don't. Uh, right, you have a Google after this. All right, good. Call Her Daddy. Good. <laughs> uh, all right, but that makes sense, the gamification yeah, idea. I love that. That's a great framework. Thank and you. And can you see how it, it would build great safety into your future to get clear on the games and make sure the games are right? Yeah, it's a super similar framework that I I already use with leadership teams about right person, right seat. 
and you can have that same right. framework of wrong person, right seat, right seat. Yeah. yeah so the four thank versions. you. Yeah. My pleasure. Um, and then the final one is an incongruent avatar. So, yeah. So, you know, a crude example of this is the right game's basketball, but you keep showing up wearing your netball skirt. So it's weird. No one takes you seriously. You're not taking yourself seriously. So you haven't shown up like a winner in that game yet. Mm-hmm. They know the rules and it's the right game, but there's something weird about what happens when you play it. You're, you're not there as a winner yet. So uh, I I love uh you know i love the idea of um in, uh, personas and and different personas for each game and i love the idea that i'm not just one person i'm a suite of different people and i and i am very conscious around who i need to be for each game that i'm playing because it turns out who i'm being as a coach is not necessarily who i need to be as dad and who I'm being his yeah. dad is not necessarily who I need to be his husband or his friend or his podcaster or, or his business owner or his writer. Each game requires a different Jamin. So if I haven't developed a, a persona specific to the game, then I still can't win the game. And if I can't win the game, it's very dangerous because I might have to exit the game altogether and, and that'll be death to my soul. Does that one make sense? Is that too abstract? Yeah. Can you see how that no, applies? I think, I think that that that's probably where it is. Is Even that right? As you've gone, I think that's where it is. Wow, and it's simple and subtle, but so profound to go if you're not showing up. Mm. And um, a really funny example of this, which I think is as useful as any others, maybe the most useful example of this, was when I decided I want to join the cycling community in Goulburn. So I've been a runner my whole life and running is yeah. a very individual game, uh, but cycling is not an individual game at all. It's <laughs> very much a group game. You've got to be part of the peloton, right? And to be part of the peloton, you've got to play by the rules. And so I thought, yeah, I'd like to be a cyclist. I'm naturally fit. I enjoy sport, endurance sports. So I'll fit in easily. And so I, I thought, oh, I don't need to buy the expensive bike. I don't need to look like everyone else. I can just fit in because I'm, I'm sporty. Turns out that's not true at all. If you <laughs> turns don't, out you need the lycra. <laughs> it turns out if you show up to the bunch wearing a visor on your helmet, like you can't play. You can't play the game if you don't. If you don't wear lycra, if you don't shave your legs, if your sock length is not right, if you're not wearing the right sunglasses, like that stuff actually matters. And you go, oh well, it shouldn't matter. Who cares whether it should or shouldn't matter? In the game, it matters. It's a group sport, and if you don't show up like you belong, doesn't matter how mm-hmm. fit you are, doesn't matter how fast mm-hmm. you are, you cannot be an individual in a group game. Or the group ruins you, the group excludes you, the group. And and as a cyclist, like if you're out in front of a peloton, you're pushing all the wind. So if you're inside the bunch, you're saving thirty to fifty percent energy. So you cannot win the game as an individual, as, as a cyclist, impossible. So therefore, you must play by the group rules and the group have some very clear rules. So when you kind of get over it should be or it shouldn't be and just go, mm-hmm. oh, it is and it it's a game, th- then I want to win. Is this a game I want to play? Yeah, it is. Then rip off the visor, like get the right socks. It's not that hard. And you watch yeah. what happens when you do and how quickly you are adopted by the group and get to play when you show up like you belong. So 
you're trying to you're trying to be a a keynote speaker, but you don't want to look like a keynote speaker. Good luck with that. Mm. You're trying to be successfully financially, but you don't want to dress properly. You don't want to pay any attention to your appearance. Okay, good luck with that. Like any version that you 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 want to have a great marriage, but you don't want to dress like an attractive person. You don't want to play the game of attractiveness. Weird. What? Why? How are you supposed to win that game if you haven't developed a persona who's wholehearted and who looks like they belong in that game? I had fun with this when I wrote Unhindered and I, and I understood that I hadn't developed a writing persona yet. And so in my mind... And you uh, put on five kilos. I did. I, and... Yeah, that was right. So it was the earnest <laughs> Got Hemingway moody kind of... and ate chips. <laughs> I, but I had a real distinct uniform for the writer. The writer looked very different yeah. than any other Jamin. So my wardrobe, every item of clothing is linked to a different Jamin. And it's a lot of fun because I'm playing a whole bunch of high-level games and I'm playing all of them really well because I know who, who I need to be in each of the games. And that creates great safety in my life mm. because I have a great experience in the games and they're the right games and I know the rules and I win. So that's safe to be me. I love it. So then back to the start. So you know, could you sense the great joy and relief and excitement brewing internally around the fact that what if this airway issue, this long-running since 2017 thing is has been an attention-grabbing thing to go when you're ready sammy there's a conversation to be had about the next season of your life yeah. the operating system that's going to create the future sustainability and success that's going to build uh, great depth and great safety internally for you to be who you're supposed to be in the world uh, and if you if you get this right then permission and empowerment and togetherness and there's no need to be sick because uh you have full permission to go play mm. and succeed and be at your best where it matters most. Can you feel that yeah. as an excitement? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I really can. There's a, um, yeah, and all of that makes sense to me. Mm. Making sense is really important. I, I think that the logic, like engaging your brain and thinking it through, I I love the NLP and the hypnosis and the magic experiences as much as anyone, but if you don't have a logic to think it through, you can't keep any of the stuff because in the cold light of the day, it has to make sense. It has to work intellectually. Yeah. There's got to be a framework. Thank you. Uh, right, well, that feels like a good place to leave the conversation to get out of your way so that you can go do the thing you need to do. Hmm. Got some beautiful uh, it, Sydney weather coming up, so I think perfect conditions. Yeah, great. Uh, anything else that would bring the conversation to completion or do you feel like you've got what you need? No, I've got what I need. Thank you, Jamin. Amazing. Let's leave it here.